0: Science and engineering spending in the United States exceeds a half trillion dollars annually. Yet the U.S. share of global science and engineering is falling, as is federal participation in U.S. science and engineering. Those are a couple of the trends from this year's biennial State of U.S. Science and Engineering. That report, for the President and Congress, is the work of the National Science Board, under the auspices of the National Science Foundation. Joining me with some of the highlights, science board member and University of Vermont president, Dr. Suresh Garamella. Dr. Garamella, good to have you on.
1: Thanks so much for having me on.
0: What is the big message for lawmakers and for the administration with respect to the state of U.S. science and engineering?
1: Yes. So I think that, um, as you know, every two years we put these indicators uh, out. The National Science Board releases them. We're required to do so uh, to the president and Congress and uh we delivered it our our report um this month um unlike in the past uh, we we thought that instead of one big report delivered once every 2 years we would sort of uh break it up into modules and make it more user friendly uh more timely more accessible so that we've been releasing parts of it since fall but this is the one big report and it it you know it's been released in in parts before the indicators are the highest sort of quality, authoritative source of global competitiveness measures of the U.S. In, in science and engineering. We're factual, we're policy neutral, et cetera. The key messages, if I had to pick one or two, is that while America continues to do very well, other nations are heavily invested in science and engineering education and in R&D, the research and development. Other nations are growing following the U.S. model. The, the same progress in innovation that led to our prosperity and national security, and really has transformed the lives of Americans over the last decades, is now happening in other nations as well, especially in East and Southeast Asia. As this worldwide increase in SE activity continues, since 2000, the US global share is declining in research and development investment, industry output publications. So it's the share that's declining. We we did spend more on research and development than any other country uh, in both sort of total R&D and in basic and applied research. But the rise in the U.S. is driven mostly by the business sector. So that's something to note as well. We have the largest share of most highly cited publications, most high R&D intensive industry output. But the basic and applied research, of course, is, needs to be primarily funded by the federal government. So the data that, that are in the indicators addresses this issue. If I had to pick one more indicator that is quite interesting and perhaps somewhat startling, is that for decades, the U.S. has relied on foreign-born talent to meet the S&E job needs. And while we still attract more internationally mobile students, to the U.S., the, the rate of increase in foreign student enrollment has slowed in recent years and, in fact, has been flat from 2017 to 2018. So these are some of the critical ones, and I'm happy to address more.
0: Well, with this question of foreign students coming to the United States, and many of them come from India and China, the Asian countries that you mentioned, and ASEAN countries, what is the feeling of the board as to whether that benefits U.S. competitiveness or the competitiveness of the countries from which they hail, should they return to those countries?
1: The data show that a good portion, especially of uh, U.S. science and engineering degrees uh, the, at the at the doctoral level, go to international students, but many remain in the U.S. after graduating. You know, especially when you take PhDs, you know, sixty-four to seventy-one percent. You know, it varies over the years. Uh, stay in the country, and obviously, as as you and I were chatting earlier we uh the, the that that population contributes very heavily to the the nation's uh science and engineering prominence and so the the international students that have come to the US have certainly contributed very heavily i also think that you know science and technology is a global enterprise there's room for lots of players and discoveries in one country um help other nations as well and so Um, because the U.S. is no longer the undisputed leader in investment. and, And so we used to be uncontested once in terms of dominance in science and engineering, but because China primarily, but other Southeast Asian countries are contributing more, I also believe that we all need to understand how to collaborate in different aspects in education, research, infrastructure. And I guess the federal government is the most important source for investments in the s and enterprise at the basic level. We're focusing on the industries of the future. So I think we can compete, we can collaborate, and hopefully all this added S&T work across the globe is making for a better world.
0: We're speaking with Dr. Suresh Garamella, a member of the National Science Board and president of the University of Vermont. With respect to federal government investment, often industry invests in the more immediately applied types of science and engineering projects and the more basic things, nanotechnology and so on, is the domain of federal investment. Do you think the balance is about right and where the federal investment occurs, do you think it's in the right areas?
1: Of course, the, the White House Congress I think everyone, the National Science Foundation, we're all acutely interested in and concerned about investing in the right places. Uh, the National Science Foundation has been sort of identifying big ideas and investing in those. The U.S. administration has identified industries of the future, like artificial intelligence and, and machine learning and, and quantum computing and so on, and investing in that. So, you know, that's an important thing, to be strategic with our investments. 70% of the investment in the U.S. in R&D is from business. But most of it is in the development side of the research and development equation. The federal government's share of basic and applied research is about 38%. And the business sector's investment in, and again, that part of it, the basic and applied research, is 43%. You know, you asked whether it's the right balance. I think, I think we're... We're fortunate that the federal government invests heavily. Our industries are highly interested in R&D and they invest. But it's important that as our share of the global investment in basic and applied research declines, we need to be very cognizant of this. And no one can, no business can invest in basic and applied research like the federal government can. The federal government is the one place in the U.S. for decades that has focused on basic research that isn't particularly directed at one application, but great things come out of it. And we spoke about China. A lot of China's investment, a fairly large share of China's investment in S&E is on the applied side. And so I think we still have that advantage in that the federal government and its agencies invest heavily in basic and applied research. I think we just need to keep doubling down on it and not lose track and keep uh, comparing ourselves to the rest of the world as well and make sure we don't lose our edge because it's done so much good for the for the nation.
0: And as someone who has spent many years in academia and also you are a scientist yourself and an engineer, what's your sense of the quality and quantity of STEM high-end students coming into academia from the high schools?
1: So this is an extremely important question, and really the indicators dedicates almost half its effort towards assessing and quantifying human capital and the talent. The demand for science and engineering skills in jobs continues to grow. And in fact, S&E jobs are, are predicted to grow by 13% by 2026, compared to seven percent in the overall workforce. So S and E talent is extremely important. I think one sobering fact and that's that, that the data point to is that US science and math assessments and scores show that our education at the elementary and secondary levels is mediocre and actually stagnant relative to other countries. In addition, there are sort of troubling performance disparities between white students and and the black and hispanic students there's also disparities between students of different socioeconomic backgrounds in science and math starts in kindergarten and goes through high school and on the other side in terms of diversity it's heartening to see that domestically among our us population more women and underrepresented minorities now hold science and engineering degrees and are in the science and engineering workforce because the s e jobs have Grown so rapidly, they've actually, the job growth has outpaced these increases, and women and minorities remain underrepresented relative to their proportion in the U.S. population. So it's nice to see those numbers growing, but we do need to focus on and grow those numbers even more because it allows us to access, you know, a portion of talent in the country that is not being accessed as much as we could. And so The the quality of school education, elementary and middle school, I think we need to continue to focus on improving that and also expanding the participation from more women, more underrepresented minorities.
0: Lots to think about. Dr. Suresh Garamella is a member of the National Science Board, president of the University of Vermont. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thank you very much, Tom.
0: We'll post this interview along with a link to the report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. This episode is brought to you by Zelle.
1: Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, Always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. What will it take to conserve 10 billion acres of ocean, 1.6 billion acres of land, and over 600,000 miles of river? What will it take to protect and restore natural habitats in over 70 countries around the world and in all 50 states here at home? What will it take? You. Together, we will make it happen. It's in our nature. See how your gift can help at nature.org. The Nature Conservancy. Protecting nature. Preserving life.